We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig here. Mario, I can't tell you how glad I am to be out of my apartment. I've spent the last like two, maybe three days there. I don't know. Whenever you the lost deep... track of time. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I, it really kind of turned into the to Jack Nicholson in The Shining after a while. I've just... seen that uh, tweeted out. I. I think like at least 10 times in the past, uh, not even 24 hours, just like yesterday, whenever I've like looked at Twitter 10 a.m. and then like by nighttime. Yeah, I didn't actually know. I didn't recognize it from that. I thought it was supposed to be like a White Walker at first. And then I realized like, oh, that that looks more like 80s film or something. Yeah, with with the deep freeze. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson just like throwing a tennis ball against the wall for hours on end and writing the no work i swear i watched that movie i just didn't remember that particular still and uh, Uh, now i do now i get it i won't i won't i won't be like who's that again well what all did you do i mean did did you get out at all during this i mean for for context not yesterday minus 24 degrees up here yeah it was um i think it was closer to like like negative 30 even uh, at least in the morning yesterday yeah uh but yeah i went outside for a little bit when it was probably like negative 20 and uh by a little bit i mean like 45 seconds something like that because it was you could go out there and be like hey i'm not dead but then you like breathe a little bit yeah. <laughs> and you can feel like the air like crystallizing your like throat or something right. and you're like oh i don't have much time and then you <laughs> kind of understand how, how it all works but 
Yeah, it sucks. I mean, it's not great. I don't like it when it's literally colder here than either of the poles. Um, but I guess that's just what 2019 has for us. And I uh, can't wait to see how it improves. Because <laughs> it, it, uh, it most certainly will. But uh, all right, let's uh, let's shift some gears here. Let's get into uh, the meat of our podcast. We got the weather uh, report is over, uh, unfortunately. Our, our separate weather podcast will be uh, posted at a different date. Um, but uh, this is the PS coming up. It, precisely, precisely. So obviously the Super Bowl is this weekend. But what I think everyone in our listenership has heard and talked enough about that so far so nothing we, we're going to add there Sick but so uh, some news and notes just really one main item uh from from thursday afternoon at least it looked like uh kellen moore uh got the promotion from the dallas cowboys moving up to the offensive coordinator position that's a position that uh had been open uh for a little bit now since the cowboys bowed out of the playoffs seems like a guy uh, it's an in-house move they seem to be pretty bullish on this guy for, for them to give him a coaching position first off like that shortly after his NFL uh, career ended so obviously they're kind of placing their bets behind him as like their next McVeigh or something almost yeah that might be what Jerry hopes will happen I think it's more like he's grooming his next Jason Garrett because he's I think he's following the same he he had like a brain genius moment and you know not just a light bulb but a galaxy galactic light uh, infusion and he thought like wait a second Jason Garrett smart good college quarterback backup NFL for my for my Dallas Cowboys. Right? Yeah, and then Kellen Moore, he's like, wow, Boise State, I don't know where that is. I hope it's a good school. Kellen seems smart enough. And he, too, is a bad NFL quarterback. And it's it, I think he thought kind of like if I get a guy young enough and, and kind of like get him uh, beholden to me, basically, and, and like give him enough treats so that he's sincerely grateful for like the – you know the opportunity that's in front of him but it's like doing a deal with satan or something because jerry's not going to let you have the job for real and i don't think Moore gets that job offered to him and maybe he didn't understand what the winks and you know the 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 slight hints and uh meant when jerry was explaining the job to him but it's not going to be his job to run the offense jerry jones will give him parameters or jason garrett parameters and then garrett will tell him what he's allowed to do and because kellen moore's like uh 30 or whatever he probably was like yeah sure sounds good i uh, i wouldn't be able to be a quarterback coach on any other team i'll gladly be your offensive coordinator even if it's a ceremonial title yeah 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 that's kind of but it could be a good apprentice program for him i mean it it, it really might be worth it to him but i don't think uh he would be smart to figure that jerry jones is actually going to let him run anything that's just not how jerry jones works and uh they they and I think you can see that in, in the Scott the way L- the Linehan offense worked was nothing like the way the Linehan prior offenses worked. Like he was the guy running the Detroit offense when they threw like 720 passes with Stafford a few years ago, and then they go into like a 1990s Dallas uh, like Dave Wan or not Wanstead. Uh, sorry, who's uh, Campo? Campo was another. He was like a defensive backs coach. Oh, do, oh Norv. Yeah, Norv Turner. Um, yeah, 90s Norv. Uh, is what the offense Jerry wants, and and Jason Garrett too. He gave up his past tendencies. Like he was, he was more like air it out back in two thousand seven. Went to you know, I formation, double tight end, big offensive line fixation. So I think that's the the set that Jerry has for his parameters. He wants to recreate the nineties dynasty, and I think Moore is basically going to have to work within those parameters. I don't think that offense changes really. So look look for them to get heavy into the tight end scene for this draft then maybe maybe i I guess like i mean 
it's it they to be fair ran plenty of three receiver this year but um yeah i don't expect it to be like some kind of mcveigh payton show or anything like that it's gonna yeah. be like it's still gonna be the zeke offense and uh they'll you know they're, they're excited about it. cooper of course but they're not gonna go mike mort mike martz on the whole thing yeah that would be that'd be quite a change in, in, in and even those boise offenses it's, it's like those boise offenses kind of looked like spread offenses and they put up big points but they weren't like max temp or they had pretty good tempo but they were not uh it was kind of like the baylor thing where it's like they put up 40 points and you assume they're throwing the ball out because kellen moore has five touchdowns but he's doing it on like 22 pass attempts every time exactly. yeah just ruthless efficiency and a ton of the ton of the yardage going uh on the ground as well there but yeah, so he I don't think he'll hurt anything, but I don't think it changes really anything. Okay, fair enough. So just more classic uh Cowboys. Only the Cowboys would do this type of thing, type of uh Jerry's a very cool special guy. <laughs> Extremely. All right, so Mario, this week in light of the senior bowl uh finishing up, uh you posted an updated uh top sixty five of your uh, dynasty prospects for this year's uh, upcoming draft uh tier one uh most it's all receivers and yep. i think rightfully so with dk metcalf out of Ole miss leading the way followed by hollywood brown and keel harry and aj brown and that's that's tier one tier two we get into the running backs and that's where i want to kind of start our okay. discussion today um so they're kind of jam- log jammed in there between josh jacobs a guy that uh has really really risen up uh mock draft boards we'll we'll, we'll talk about him yeah. more specifically here in a second then followed up by his teammate Damian Harris and then Darrell Henderson out of Memphis so starting off with Jacobs do you get the sudden top 10 hype out of nowhere for a guy that has like less uh, no. than 250 carries in his career I think it's preposterous I think he's I I, I can't tell when stuff like, the like tools this are there but I mean come on right and like we don't even really know if the tools are there like it, there's he Itch. looks he looks pretty athletic and he made a bunch of big plays but it's like that's just eyeball test i mean you can you can watch tape of like chris ivory and be like whoa that guy's pretty freaking fast look at him go and it's right. and it's mostly because he's just getting like six carries a game and goes like 150 percent uh you know running with his hair on fire kind of kind of player uh not to say that jacobs is at all like that it's just an example of like it sometimes your eyes just deceive you a little bit sure. and it's one thing to kind of be optimistic for his chances of testing really well but we can't just assume a guy is fast because his legs move quickly on tape and stuff like that it's 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 just not easy and to vice guess versa you know a guy that doesn't look like he's moving fast but he's eating up a ton of space right it's like people watch david johnson at northern iowa and they're like oh he's too stiff for the nfl and it's like no it's just when someone's 230 pounds and like that you know well built at running back or, or like derrick henry even better example okay. probably like people watch I, I had all these people telling me like derrick henry's slow and it's like i don't know he's not like he's not you know super fast he's not reggie bush but to say he's slow is just kind of a bad misunderstanding and yet you couldn't get it through to these people they're just like no i saw him he's slow and then it's like okay well uh, of course the, those people aren't talking as much now because it's like then you get you get the play where he actually has room to run and you think even as he's running like wow he looks kind of slow those guys aren't catching him but he looks kind of slow like well which do you think is the no- the noise and the signal here like your eyes or the fact that no one caught him yeah, yeah and so i don't i don't know i'm going a bit on a tangent here but jacobs would need to test as like a top five percent or sorry 95th percentile athlete to justify even like a top 15 pick in my opinion and and certainly not i think i saw daniel jeremiah project him as a top five, five or something yeah. like that it's like, no i think I, th- I don't even think he believes I that think, i think that was mostly like to please know, retweet shake the, this shake, shake get mad and read yeah get mad and retweet my articles please yeah i mean and then you know yesterday i think there was another mainstream draft that had like four quarterbacks going in the top 10 so i mean at this stage of the game it, it is to 
shake up a little bit of interest in in it and especially in a year where like we might be a little bit starved of like the star offensive player outside of the quarterbacks um and even then there's like really only two in my opinion yeah we like haskins and murray quite a bit we do we do but it's still a lighter quarterback class obviously than than what we had last year and people are going to try to make it into something similar to last year where it's like oh we gotta have four in the top 10 yeah and uh i I don't know where i think that's going i i believe that stuff about elway falling in love with Locke. that sounds like a total elway thing to do and I'm, I'm i'm on board with that i don't buy the jones hype daniel jones and uh t- to quickly get to i'll address i guess the, the tier two thing really quickly and then we can kind of go toward like the senior bowl kind of quarterbacks real quick sure. but uh yeah i think that jacobs and harris and henderson daryl henderson are on basically the same plane to me i only really listed them in that descending order because that's the projected order that they're drafted right now and it's like yeah. i have to break the tie somehow uh so i i can imagine myself uh, you know, if you give me ten minutes and tell me to, like come up with a case for Henderson over Jacobs and Harris, I could convince myself actually that it, that he should be. And if he if things at the combine turn a certain way, I won't hesitate to move Henderson even into tier one. So it's like putting him ahead of Jacobs and Harris is not a big deal at all to me. But yeah, I, I don't think the Jacobs first round stuff is that sound. I don't think a running back is going to go in the first, or if they do, it'll be kind of like maybe they, the team that takes him is trading back to take them, or uh, just kind of a like a barely sneaking in so like you know like say that this or you know put the Saquon thing in a separate category from last year but like say a situation where like the Seahawks were picking around pick like 19 last year trade back to like 26 and get a Rashad Penny yeah 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 that because yeah that's a that's a really good way to uh, analogy for how that could go down because yeah it's like they justify the reach by well we got more picks yeah so and, and there's something and to there's that justification in that yeah, yeah. So, yeah totally so um that's that's my tier two and uh those are the top three running backs for me i think it's tier four next where i put rodney anderson as the next running back and then tier five i've got uh Holyfield and singletary and then that's where the real drop off happens for yeah. me and i always have to mention it's like Pretty much everybody else thinks David Montgomery belongs in that tier two or and certainly, you know, among the top five running backs. And I just don't see it. And I'm, I got to point out a lot of those same people like Benny Snell a lot. And I'm a Uh-oh. little bit unsure of how good Montgomery might be, but I have no doubt that Snell is just not an NFL starter. No. So I that's kind of I would I would look into that uh, if that correlation is, is occurring with anyone and, and kind of I, I would kind of doubt their judgment on it. And it's It's kind of like. The Montgomery thing also, it's the 82nd in scoring, I think, and then like 94th in yards per game was the Iowa State offense. So it's like, how do we have people in ranking Dave? Was that? In the Big 12 of all Right, places. yeah. And it's out of 130 teams, so it's like below average in the yardage sense. And I know they weren't a max tempo offense at Iowa State, but we got people listing David Montgomery as 1.01 and then like Hakeem Butler at 1.05 and stuff like that. It's like, how do you reconcile two players being supposedly that good and then the offense being that mediocre? They, I don't understand I mean, they're, that. They're, they turn to this pivot where they just argue that uh, you and I were, offensive were the line, offensive, offensive line. line offensive That's line. all I say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I could, I could be wrong. It's, it's. I've been wrong about a lot of things. I don't think I'm wrong about this though. I think both of those guys are mid rounds. Uh, I think it's late rounds for Montgomery and like fourth, fifth for for Butler. But anyway, that's that's kind of how I see things shaking up. And and guys that I'm higher on than other people are probably, I guess Kyler Murray. I got him at eight in the tier two category. And it's one of those things. I don't think he even needs to be a good NFL quarterback yeah, to be really can, useful in fantasy. Run, yeah. And, but I do think he'll be a good NFL quarterback. So I'm I'm pretty optimistic for him. I think 
Uh, the teams are desperate enough in the top 10, and particularly the Giants and Jaguars, I think, would have a really difficult time justifying passing on him. Uh, I think Haskins and him are going to those two teams or, unless someone trades ahead of them. Yeah. I can see I can see John Elway passing on Murray for Drew Locke, and I think, in fact, he would. But I, I'm, I have the faith that uh, if the Jags or the Giants don't take Murray, and then I think it's because one of them traded back and are getting him at like 12 or 15 or something like that. Uh, but love his projection. Emmanuel Hall is the only receiver I have in Tier 2, and he's a guy who skipped the Senior Bowl for an injury reason. He was invited though so uh he's he's a guy i think people are overlooking I, i'm really fixating on the mike wallace comparison it, their narratives around them remind me of each other so much and uh he, he might not have like four three three speed but i'd be shocked if he ran worse than a four four flat that kind of thing and i think he can and do at that at that size too yeah he, i think ridiculous. he's i think he'll only be like a mid or high six two but he's still, still good. yeah he he doesn't have like the Hakeem Butler issue that any six foot six person would where their stride becomes cumbersome at a certain point. Uh, he he runs like a guy who's not as tall and lanky as he is, and I think people see Hall listed at six three. They hear that he's a burner. They look at it averaging like two uh, 22 yards a catch and they just think consecutive seasons too right and they think like oh just straight line guy and if you watch the tape he he breaks down and executes uh, other routes totally fine he's not just a fly route guy i don't know what the explanation is because Locke isn't so bad that it explains how he was so one-dimensional i think it's the schemes uh, usage of him that dictated that but anyway we'll find out more in the combine and then tier three is just calvin Harmon and andy isabella but uh yeah i guess isabella is a good point to circle back toward the senior bowl really quickly because it wasn't just drew Locke that we've seen projected in the top 10 i've seen daniel jones projected and like i feel like i saw a top five. i think it might have been jeremiah again uh but i don't I don't remember for sure, so I don't I don't mean to pin that on him exactly. But Daniel Jones finished eight of eleven for 115 yards and a and touchdown. He won the MVP. Yeah, so I can imagine the press hype still persisting with him. I still firmly believe it's not going anywhere. It's like I I'm not falling for Ryan Nasib again. Okay, it's yeah. just, I'm, I fell for it <laughs> once. I'm very irritated about it even now so i'm not doing that again uh daniel jones is is not it uh tyree jackson i think will go ahead of him he was he had a good game on the other side uh, for the south team uh he had that long pass to gary uh gary Gary jennings Jennings. i'm always so afraid of saying greg and i I don't know which it's like i convinced myself it's like no it's the other one this time uh so gary uh jennings had that long catch that was pretty nice and he had a touchdown and another long catch to, i think the, or, i think or, sorry ten yard same drive too actually so yeah uh, tyree showed the, the like the ryan mallet arm and we'll see how teams assess that wind up that you mentioned is concerning and uh I, was, I thought at least like his stand like his his presence in the pocket and his, his kind of just field vision and accuracy were pretty good but yeah even mallet had his his really big numbers at arkansas and it, it didn't really i fell help for him. i fell for ryan i fell for it too i think i, I can imagine mallet having been a, a conventionally useful quarterback in like the 80s or 90s though i think uh yeah because a guy like testa verdi wouldn't make it today either you Probably know not. so yeah i think it's tyree is at risk of being kind of like a throwback quarterback not suited to the to the modern game but we'll see i i, I would I, I would much rather draft him than daniel jones who i feel like is just kind of like some backup I don't know. yeah yeah jones jones and and uh with jones you and i i think are, are pretty much in lockstep where jones just really i don't really get it like him I, and clayton thorson are the same like, thing he pretty looks much like an nfl quarterback but he doesn't really play like one i just don't really understand it there but uh going back to your tier three and, and namely andy isabella this time last week we were talking about isabella may not like 
tanking his stock or anything with, no. with senior bowl practices, but not looking as good as maybe some people were expecting. I think a lot of people w- were circling him as like the, their sleeper of the week, uh, you know, small school guy uh, that comes in and dominates the senior bowl practice. It didn't really happen that way. But once we got, you know, we got the pads on in the game, he looked awesome again. Yeah, seven catches for 74 yards and a touchdown, also had a 14-yard carry, and he showed you, you know, the speed is real, and I think you can rationalize being very optimistic for him even if he's raw right now because it's like that that really matters when you have that kind of speed and quickness to cover up for your deficiencies because you're not always going to play perfect. It's nice to have that speed and quickness uh, setting your floor pretty high, yeah. and there's every reason to think he can improve. I mean, it's not like he's been the slot guy for Massachusetts the past four years and he just never got better as a route runner. It's like he was their outside number one guy and he should be fine in that capacity in the NFL that the whole slot question was just like it'll be easier to get you to the ball there so it would be nice if you were good at it and just because he's raw now doesn't mean he won't improve and like you said uh, when the game got real he found ways to make it happen and that's what he did all through college so if he runs a 4-3-5 or something like that I, I had I had put him back in more like the third to fourth range after hearing those practice reports but if he runs a four three five i'd really at this point i think i'm comfortable with him in the top 40 in that yeah, case yeah i think i think mid to late round two it would be yeah second round i think is where he goes right now so he he was he was probably the real mvp of that game and i think everyone is is back on if they are if they were dissuaded at all yeah. by the concerning practice reports and i'm included i uh, i didn't mean to overreact to it but it was nice to see uh him just outplay everybody like that it, w- it wasn't like one of those you know all-star games where it's just like isaiah pete had a big game kind of thing on a couple long runs like seven catches means like they're they know about him going in and they just can't really cover him mm-hmm. so if he if he's raw right now then that's okay because if he can improve he could be really good in that case and he's in tier three which uh was just kelvin Harmon is the other guy he's an underclassman totally different kind of receiver uh just an outside guy but so, yeah that's yeah, that's uh, that's how my top, top 12 is basically looking it's like Harmon, isabella those running backs murray hall so what is it about Harmon that, that you like i know he's a, he's kind of a a lanky, he kind of reminded me a little bit of like a poor man's AJ Green in terms of like his, his like kind of acrobatic body control along the sidelines and in the end zone. But like I don't really remember seeing him like run away from people, so I don't know what he's going to be able to do as far as his like his speed testing goes. Well, his production is pretty convincing. I think if you have concerns with him, it might be about whether he's kind of limited to the outside. Like because we know he's good on the outside. The the acrobatic ability you mentioned is there. The speed, even if it's not like stand out exactly it should be good enough and i think it's probably safely above average like i'd be surprised i'd be like pretty dis- four fives or something if he ran worse than like a four five three that would be pretty disappointing to me not okay. that i expect him to run like a four four flat but it could happen weirder He's things not that kind of player i don't think either yeah it's, it's just like some guys just are are they time faster than they look on the field like some guys don't run as fast on a field as they do in track because there's the Finley thinking probably couldn't couldn't throw it more than 20 25 yards yeah it's uh, he was he was a very effective downfield receiver on a per target basis both in catch rate and per target yardage and yeah i don't think that highly of finley so uh as an underclassman especially i think Harmon's pretty uh promising but not there's nothing obvious in his profile that would have him in the first round but if he if he runs like a 4-4 flat i think you'll have a good case for moving him into that sort of top five with those other receivers yeah i think we we run into a bit of a <coughs> scenario where you know, I, I do find that that Metcalf and Hollywood Brown are like those clear top two. But when you look at Harry, AJ Brown, and then uh, down a little bit further to to a Calvin Harmon, 
I think that the the long speed concerns are there for probably all of those guys. So maybe it does kind of become one of those things where, where their 40 times uh, become a little bit of a tiebreaker. Yeah, and I, I actually do have Metcalf, Brown, Harry, and Brown on basically the same plane. It's like I, I have my limited concerns and, and my like emphatic uh, you know, positives for each of them. And it's just sure. that none of them is obviously complete. I think Metcalf is the closest, but then even he has, you know, the, the incomplete profile where you have to take a leap of faith. I'm totally willing to do it, sure, but you have, that's, it does take a leap of faith objectively to, to put him in the same category as guys like the Browns and then Harry. Cause those were, those three were super, super productive and uh, like utterly dominant. Yep. But yeah, Harry's, Harry's just, a, I think kind of projects as Keenan Allen or something like that. If he has his good case scenario, cause he just doesn't look that fast. I had uh, Michael Thomas for him. That's totally good too. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the kind of guy who's big and has, or he, he would be big by like slot standards at least. And I think he plays well in the slot because um, I, I don't know how to speak on the route running specifically, but the ball skills are crazy. Yeah, and it's the kind nuts. of yeah for Harry. He he that Keenan Allen kind of did that same stuff too, where you watch him and it's like, well, he's not that fast. And it's, in Allen's case, he is a very very good route runner, and he's it's like his basketball background. He almost does like point guard stuff, like no look route running kind of stuff, just like head fakes that throw people off. And then yeah. he's he's got like the short space, just like spatial intelligence to just kind of be able to remember without thinking about it. Like this guy's here, this guy's here, his hands closing in like this. I have this much room to catch it. I have to turn this way. And like people like us would need like 15 minutes to sort it out, but he, he just goes on the field and it's instinctive to him. And I think Harry shows some of that. Okay. And certainly the ball skills. It's like when the ball's in the air, he gets it. Yep. It just doesn't happen any okay. other way. So he's pretty interesting for that reason. And even though none of them project as like a wide receiver, one, you know, prototype like Mike Evans or whatever, I still think all of them could be, basically like all pro types if the testing turns out a certain way and that's what we're waiting on basically but um yeah speaking of that i guess tier four is where i have rodney anderson and me hardman and preston williams who by the way won't be at the combine because i i probably have to lower him actually in light of that i i, I thought for some reason he was kicked out of tennessee for some other thing but it turns out it was kind of like a domestic violence thing nothing like joe mixon uh but a similar class of asset now because he's Super talented guy, uh, but the the character thing is a serious concern because he was accused of, I guess, like pushing a girlfriend who was trying to like leave the apartment okay. that he was at or something like that. So it's it's a concern, and I probably got to put him in tier five or six now behind Debo, who Debo Samuel, who had a big game or a big week of practice anyway at the Senior Bowl. I think the Senior Bowl like official commentary feed uh, called him the best receiver over Penny Hart over. Isabella I uh, don't think it did anything in the game and I don't think I have him as I have him ahead of Penny Hart but not anywhere near Isabella because Debo's going to be like 24 at the end of his rookie season okay. and he doesn't look fast so I think I think he's a crafty guy and crafty guys are useful but uh, Isabella can burn uh, Paris Campbell can burn got him ahead too so that's kind of why I have Debo back there despite all the hype he's gotten but uh, tier four I guess is like a boomer bust area for me where we have the incomplete guys like Rodney Anderson for injuries Meikle Hardman for for just kind of weird circumstances, but I love both of their upsides. And if, if they test a certain way, I, th- I think it makes sense to put them in the first round just for the upside chasing in a flat class. Yeah, so. no, I, I think, uh, yeah, when it comes to Hardman, I mean, I'm a guy that, that's been uh, really sold on him, I'd say, since about midway through his sophomore year. So that his yeah. first year playing receiver. Because- that Tony Brown touchdown against Alabama, it was just like, oh, that's fast. Yeah, yeah. Brown that- ran a four three five at the combine. And he dusted him. Dusted him, yeah. So... I feel like people are at least 
underestimating Hardman's athleticism because you, you read these things, people are like sixth, seventh round. Like, what are you talking about? He's he gonna a, he's, he's gonna, the number one rated athlete in his class. Like they yeah. just didn't know where to put him yet. So like I'd put him ahead of Smart. Just put him at cornerback to start. There's a really good analogy to make or comparison to make. I think with uh, Malcolm Mitchell. And I think I would I would take Hardman over Mitchell, and that's that's I liked Mitchell as a prospect, and the knee factored into it. But even if there weren't the knees, it's like I just think Hardman looks a lot like Percy Harvin or something yeah. like that, and because uh, he's like ferocious when he has the ball or when, at all when he doesn't have the ball too. He's it's 110 percent motor with a guy who might run below a four three five. So and he, I'm willing to buy that. He tracks he tracks the ball pretty naturally. Oh, yeah. Like when Fromm would get it out to him deep, like you know, for a guy that again is still scratching the surface of his potential and mastery of the wide receiver position, he looks like a natural out there. Yeah, totally. And uh, he mostly played in the slot, and maybe he's going to be a bit uh, raw with his route running. But it's like at least he got some of those reps that Isabella did not, and uh, hopefully that can get him uh, on the field a little sooner than people are assuming but I like Hardman to be a top 75 pick and I, I don't want to rule out the top 40 even because if he murders the combine teams Which are going to look at him and be should. like teams are going to look at him and be like oh right that's that kid that I was excited about you know four years ago and looks pretty good here too and right. and, and uh, I don't think the Georgia coaches or anything are going to have anything but positive things to say about him so yeah I love Hardman's upside even though he's a bit overlooked and Anderson and Anderson at running back, Preston Williams at receiver are kind of similar things too. Because Williams was a five-star guy at Tennessee, looks a lot like. I don't want to say this as a comparison to Randy Moss in the way that people will tend to take it anytime you say something like this, but he looks like Randy Moss when he's running. He just runs like the wind, and he's six foot four. Uh, was pretty productive, uh, certainly in volume. wasn't super efficient, but I mean, I think Preston Williams at his pro day or whatever is probably going to run below a four four and it's he's probably going to just look amazing in drills yep. so big wide range of outcomes it's it's hard to tell a josh gordon apart from a Derek rogers but i think that's the category of prospect that he is okay all right so yeah preston williams interesting case but again uh with the off-field stuff we'll have to see how it's, that it's all... a pending grade yeah exactly but on on on-field stuff like you said he he is a top 15 uh dynasty type player uh for this year's class any other big movers movers one way or the other uh, from your last uh, rankings? It was pretty much Penny Hart. I mean, I think I, I think I left him at like fifty five or something like that, or I might have forgotten him in the top fifty five or whatever it was that I posted a few weeks ago. But I moved him up to thirty one. I know he's limited as a five eight one eighty guy, but I'm just willing to believe in an NFL where there are more slot receiver snaps, like every year, up for grabs. There should be some room for him to do something. I certainly like him better than a player like Jakeem Grant, who I think was a sixth-round pick. I like Hart's chances of being like a fifth-rounder, and uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see about the testing. If he runs like a 4 five, 5 then it's kind of tough again, but he looks so applicably athletic, at least. like He's very springy, uh, move, covers ground really fast, uh, gets separation from people, so... Based on that, I, I, I'm willing to buy in. But yeah, that is definitely pending the workout. And I did have to pretty much <laughs> remove Jalen Smith from the rankings. Like, not totally, but down to 42. And I still believe him, believe in him as a prospect, but he's not generating any buzz at all. None. And if you don't get the opportunity in the NFL, it doesn't really matter. And it's, it's not even really that useful to Dynasty League owners, even if a guy goes like practice squad route for three years and then becomes good. It's like usually you've just given up by then and someone else takes your draft pick and benefits from it. So yeah. I can't in good conscience advise trying to acquire Jalen Smith right now. Maybe in two years, though. Okay. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm just, 
I'm flummoxed by it. Like I, I don't really understand what happened. Like he was. I just so don't think it suits him in that Lamar kind of Jackson era. Yeah, I just don't think it suits him in the, that kind of practice setting with one on ones because he's not he's not like a burner. Uh, his hands are not great, um, but he he looked really good in the Louisville offense. He got slot snaps, outside snaps, all the same, and he and this is important to me. He outproduced uh, Jamari Staples and James Quick at about two years younger than each one and both of them got invited to the combine neither was drafted i think they they're probably both like off of practice squads even at this point but if he if he's better than them then i feel at least confident that he's worth like a fifth round pick but it's like i can't even guarantee they'll get drafted at this point yeah it's it's tough to tough to see him getting drafted at this point but but again you know th- things could change over the course of the next uh, couple of months and then one other guy that i, I or two other guys i wanted to uh, circle back with you on first or the first of them uh, is in that tier three uh, with paris campbell a guy that you mentioned uh, a bit of a burner um, during during his time at, at Ohio State, uh, it was insane uh, catch rate this year. Right. Ninety catches on like 112 targets, uh, so a huge uh, breakout season uh, for him this past season. But what about him puts him above you know a lot of these other guys? That's me kind of trying to project opportunity. I think if it was my personal, rank- I know if it was my personal rankings, I wouldn't have him ahead of guys like Hardman or uh, or Preston Williams or Sega Whiteside even. But it's one of those things, he was super productive. He, he was arguably the best uh, non-quarterback on an Ohio State offense that was just you know unstoppable, yeah, as it always shame. is, or one of the best Ohio State offenses in years, actually. Um, so he has that going for him, and he's probably going to run a 4-3-5 or something like that. Okay. And that doesn't, assure, that doesn't guarantee anything, but tr- traditionally those kinds of profiles go in like the mid-second or mid-third at worst, and... Uh, if he has that going for him, he might get the opportunity. Even guys that I don't like as prospects, I'm willing to acknowledge there's there's some objective percentage chance where they still are good anyway. So it's like if you have the opportunity accounted for, you can justify taking a guy you don't like as much just in case you're wrong. Um, but yeah, you don't want to be wrong about both the playing time and the prospect. And even if you're right about the prospect, if you're wrong about the playing time, it might not matter at all. Exactly. So yeah, there's there's that. And uh, I'm, I'm personally a bit skeptical of him because he mostly played in the slot kind of had simple drag routes all yes. the time where you just catch it and be fast and no one could do anything about it with how spread open the, the offense was so maybe that translates maybe it doesn't but i don't think he's like a curtis samuel prospect no no he, he, but they did play like similar roles there so like I, def- I, th- I think that's a good like reference point to use there yeah and Sam- samuel was a little faster and a better route runner for sure in my opinion and samuel like still like kind of had to come into his own because i think he came to ohio state as a running back yeah he did and um he he did this a much younger I gotta say Curtis Samuel did uh Campbell along with Terry McLaurin they were both redshirt seniors and I couldn't find dates of birth for either one but usually that's like 22 at the very best and more often 23 24 so if you're fast and and you're very productive that's great but if it took you getting 23 years old before you really broke out sometimes that's a bad indicator of the skill projection for sure and that that I guess what was the case for both of them and then I, I guess the one thing you could say uh for it not being entirely their fault that they didn't put up huge production was the the Ohio State passing game extremely limited uh the last two crowded two, field two, yeah 16 and 17 with, with uh with JT Barrett Dwayne Haskins changed a lot of things that there yeah was. yeah totally and and also there's always a ton of talent at Ohio State yeah. so they both McLaurin who by the way had great reviews at practice all week also and should also test very well uh him and Campbell have plenty going for them despite like my age concerns with them but uh 
Yeah, for whatever it's worth, that top 65, there's no paywall on this one. We're, we're mostly going no paywall on the Dynasty rookie stuff because, mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't a big secret, but the rest of the site is where, uh, you know, where it's really worth paying for. But we're hoping to hook some new people in because the Dynasty stuff does show up in the, the NFL stuff behind the paywall in the form of, you know, our, our, our ability to project prospects once they're in the NFL. And I, I think we're as good as anybody at that. So uh, the top 65 will look nothing like the top 65 after the combine but if, if you're looking for some kind of uh, shape up shaping up of the class to, to have in mind I, I, I feel pretty good about these rankings yep so please go ahead and check that out we also have a free trial on the website for for you to check out it gets you a free 10 days you don't have to put down your credit card so no strings attached on that but that'll wrap things up uh, for today's edition of the RotoWire NFL podcast. We'll be back again next week discussing more uh, prospects as we get closer and closer to the combine. Have a great week, everybody. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.